Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, hey, good morning. So my day off this week got destroyed when I went down in the morning and I plugged in the Christmas lights. And here's why. Because my arm, my arm bumped into this ornament. Yeah, I was like, what? I was like, wait a second, who put that there? I thought to myself, I didn't even know we owned that. It was probably one of you who gave this to our family. So I'm just gonna like throw it back at you because I don't want it in my house. Um, I tried to sit down and open up my Bible and do my chair time, and I began to break out in hives. I mean, (laughs) all these thoughts were swimming in my head. I thought, oh my word, first the ornament, and now Rogers is going to show up at one of our Christmas Eve services. I'm like, friends, that can't happen. That just can't happen. Now now some of you are going to like, you know, you're going to give him a card or something. You're going to canvas all of Green Bay and make sure he gets here on Christmas Eve, but... but (laughs) (laughs) Now, I got to tell you, I might have shared this story with you, but when we moved here nine years ago, I prepped our daughters. I sat Grace and Ella down. I said, here's the deal, girls. I said, we're going to Wisconsin. I said, just about everybody there is a Green Bay Packers fans. I said, but we, we are Bears fans. And, um, and so my girls, they, I don't know, one I think was in fifth grade. The other one, uh, Ella was like second grade. And they were so cute. They were like, yeah, dad, bear down, bear down. So no lie, first day of school, well, I sent them off to school. And I said, now remember, we're Bears fans. Yeah, yeah, dad, we're, we're good. They come back. We moved into December, right? And so it was in the peak of football season and the Packers were crushing it. And obviously the Bears were in the cellar. And so they went off to uh, school. They came back and they were like, dad. I was like, hey, what's up? How did it go? They were like, dad, we can't do it. I'm like, what? They said, we can't do it. I said, I, I know you love the Chicago Bears, but yeah, we're, we're, we're done with the Bears. We're, we're Packers fans now. One day, no lie, one day. You see what you people did to my family? That's awesome. So great. One day, a bunch of traitors. I was saying, no, I didn't say that. I, I said, it's okay. I said, it's not a problem. I said, but you, you betrayed my beloved Chicago Bears in one. You deconverted from the Bears. Now, friends, uh, that's football. But what if you deconverted from faith? I read of a story of a pastor, an ex-pastor recently, who deconverted from Christianity, became an atheist, and got a divorce. And probably the most gut-wrenching part of the story is when he went and he told his mom that he, he wanted to deconvert from Christianity. I don't know how you start that conversation. I don't know what that's like. Hey, mom, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm dropping Jesus. I'm done with Christianity. I need to deconvert. But it was kind of shocking to him because to his surprise, his mom also deconverted in the weeks to come. And so 
She had this conversation. She said, you know, I'm just so relieved to let go of some of the baggage. It feels so wonderful that I don't have to hate anymore. It feels so wonderful that I'm free from this religious burden. What? Free from a religious burden? You don't have to hate anymore? What version of Christianity was was his mom exposed to? What version of Christianity is built upon Christ, like building up walls and separating ourselves from people? That's not good news. That's actually bad news. That's not kind of the news that Jesus came to bring. You remember from last week, the, the birth announcement, the headline that said of Jesus' arrival, uh, arrival, good news of great joy for what? For all people. What version of Christianity calls us, causes us to dislike or, God forbid, hate someone? Well, where, where have we learned and gained this, this version of Christianity that wants to segment or to, to, to disregard people? That's not what Jesus has called us to do. Now, I think one of the hard things about Christianity is that we live in a cultural environment. And all through the generations, there was a cultural lens or bias in which Christianity met and came into context. Whether that was in the, in the 300s when Constantine just uh, officially adopted Christianity as, as the nation's religion or throughout the fun founding of our nation or whenever it was, Christianity was always a part of culture. And there are some things that you just can't prevent culture impacting a message. The message of Christianity, hence, has been therefore Americanized. And, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that except for this, when we Christians adopt more of the culture than we do of Scripture. And Scripture, uh, I think one of the things that we have missed or we could have certainly prevented is the gap or the dichotomy between behavior and belief. Because Christianity, at least in the last hundred years, has really divorced behavior from belief. We've made the gospel belief only. The good news surrounds belief. In some cases, it's almost an insurance policy. I think back to when I was a teenager and I made a true commitment to Jesus. When I said a prayer, it wasn't so much that I wanted to follow Jesus. I just didn't want to burn in hell. And, and I think that's true for some, some of you. And I don't disagree with you. Hell is a very real place. Heaven is a very real place. Jesus talked about heaven and hell. But when you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the bulk of his teaching was how we are free to love, free to, to show God's love, free to treat people the way God has treated us in Jesus Christ. That's the bulk of Jesus's teaching. And yet we've reduced it down to a set of beliefs. And here's what I've come to discover. When it gets reduced to how it benefits me and me only and has no call to action about how I love you, then that's not good news. In fact, uh, one of Jesus's first disciples said it this way. Let me read his words found in the New Testament. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Boy, that's a harsh word. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God 
whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, referencing Jesus. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. My point is this, and I'm not above this. I can be just as guilty as you can be. But my point is simply this, that if there is a version of Christianity or a version of Jesus that we are following that allows us to dislike or God forbid hate another group of people, then you know what? That's not the version of Jesus that he came and he bled on the cross for. That our version of Christianity is for both men and women, black and white, and brown too, for rich and poor, for educated and uneducated, for young and old, for the Packers and the Bears, <laughs> and even the lot, well, maybe not the Lions, but. <laughs> it's for your Wayward child, your prodigal. It's for your ex-husband, your ex-wife. It's for your crazy uncle. It's for that family member who's coming over to your house this week and you're thinking, how long will they actually stay? It's good news for all people. It, it, let me put it this way to you. Um, there is a person, there is a person that you have met this week and you thought to yourself, man, they just, whew, ah, wow, whatever. Do you know that good news is good for them? Let me say it this way. There is no person that you have ever met or you will ever meet. You will never meet anybody that the good news is not good for them. If it is, you're following the wrong Jesus. Good news. For all In fact, can I say it this way? Here's your homework assignment. If you wanna do something this week to follow Jesus, I want you to put this on your phone. I want you to put it on your mirror. I want you to write this down if you're a note taker. Pull out your phone, pull out a piece of paper, write it on your hand. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to notice people that you walk around with and you see throughout this week. And I want you to say, that's good news for them. I want you to list out some of your enemies. And I want you to say, for my crazy boss, that's good news for her. I want you to list out the people that you see on, on Twitter, the people that you scroll through, the, the news sources that you watch. And I want you to say, good news is for them. Good news is good news for the Ukraine as much as it is good news for Vladimir Putin. It's good news for all people. It's good news. 50 times. I want you to go throughout your week. The people who don't act like you, look like you, people who perhaps don't, share the same belief system or their morals are so far, you would, you would say they're degenerates, they're so far. You wouldn't say that out loud, but you would think, oh my word, you'd have other names for them, but oh my word, good news for those people. Another time, Jesus said it this way. It was so important to Jesus that this is what he said to his first followers. He said, by this, by what? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How, how could he have made it more clear than that? How did we miss that? 
That love, love is what defines us. Love is what shines through us. Love is the light of the gospel. Jesus declared in John 8, 12, that he is the light of the world and he came to bring love. How could we miss this as his followers? Those of us who, who call ourselves Christians. That's why we've been retracing Christmas because it really begs this question. It begs this question, if it's good news, then why aren't more people interested? If it's good news, why aren't more people leaning in, wanting to know and experience the love of God? It begs the question that we're gonna kind of look at this weekend. What about, what about me? What about you? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then is your life bringing good news of great joy for all people? It's pretty convicting to think about, isn't it? It's kind of a, a reminder like, oh yeah, this is more than just celebrating a baby. This is more than just lights and presents and all the ugly sweaters and all the parties and all the things that we like to commercialize and think about. This is life and death because Jesus leaves us this message that we looked at last week, the good news. He leaves us this message and he says, now I want you to spread this good news. I want you to be good news. I want you to live differently. In his most famous sermon, he says it this way in Matthew 5, 16. He says, in the same way, in the same way, let your, in the same way of what? In the same way that he lived for 33 years on this earth, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You know what that means? That means that when we do life in this life, that people around us, they see our good deeds. They don't hear our beliefs. They see our deeds. And they say to themselves, they think to themselves, man, they must have a connection with the heavenly father. They must have a connection with God. They must have some type of relationship and over repeated periods of time, they think to themselves, wow, I might not believe everything they believe about Jesus. I might not get into the whole faith thing, but man, those people are some of the most loving and kind and gracious people that I have ever met. I, th I think about that in my own walk with Jesus. Am I one of the most gracious and most merciful and loving people? I'm far from that. God still has so much work to do inside of me to let my light shine, so much so that people see my life and they think to themselves, man, that, that's really good. And I think we get this. I think we're smart enough to know that if we got this right in our communities and here in the Fox Valley or wherever you're watching in your community, in the state of Wisconsin or in your state or in our country, this message, because one time this message did change the world. It impacted the world. Can you imagine if governmental leaders and, and emperors and, and princesses and princes and world leaders, can you imagine if people gathered in NATO and they had conversations at a global level, how much good would be done in the world if they would say, we just want our light to shine like, like Jesus' light? Can you imagine? Now, Paul... Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, some 20, 30 years later, he writes a, uh, a little book, 
Well, first you gotta understand Paul's backstory. Let me give you a little context. If you're new to the Bible or new to faith, we're so glad that you're here. Let me tell you about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the first time he heard the good news, he hated it. <laughs> he thought it was bad news. And you know why he thought it was bad news? He thought it was bad news because it really infringed upon what he thought he knew about the good news. He thought he knew the God who was all about laws and all about legalism. And he was trained up as a Pharisee, as a, as a religious leader. And he was so angry. I, I think we get this because those who like to uphold the status quo or the old way of living are really, 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 really not so inclined to give that up when it benefits them. And he didn't want to give that up. And so he became an activist. He, he became a terrorist, a, a violent activist. And he thought to himself, I will single-handedly put this good news out of business. And so he deputized himself and he went around and he threw Christians, he ripped them out of their homes and he threw them in the prisons. In fact, he was there in Acts chapter seven when Stephen was the first martyr of the church of Jesus Christ. There was Saul. But on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter eight, he's literally riding a donkey and a light, I love that, a light shines and he's blinded and he gets the gospel. The good news for the very first time makes sense to him. And immediately he's converted from this, from this Christian killer to another kind of activist. He becomes a missionary, an apostle, and he starts churches and he writes half of our New Testament and God uses him in some profound ways. In fact, this is one of the verses that he said, listen, this is so powerful. This, this Christian killer says this, he says, the only thing that matters is your faith working itself out in love. What? Paul, you like, you were a bad guy. I know, I know, I know. But I, I heard the good news and Jesus changed me. And I want you to know the only thing that counts, this is in the Bible, by the way, if you're wondering, like, where did you get this, Adam? Nope, this is not the woke gospel. This is the gospel. The only thing that counts, I think it's in Galatians 5, 5, 6. The only thing that counts is is faith expressing itself through love. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you fill in the blank. Oh, so he was actually picking up on Jesus, yeah. Because his whole life was built on Jesus. So, the Apostle Paul, he writes this letter to a church in Greece. It's uh, the book of Philippians. And he picks up on this idea and he applies it to uh, a little bit more of like what our life is like. And so before I read this passage to you, if you have a Bible, go to Philippians chapter two. Before I read this passage to you, some of you have probably already heard this. You've probably heard way better sermons than I'm gonna preach to you on Philippians two. But, but here's what I want you to get. I want you to think about it this way. As I kind of read through and give some comments about these scriptures, I want you to think to yourself, what if this characterized my life? What if this characterized every Christian, every high school student, every middle school student, every college student, every, every mom, every dad? What if, this, what if this characterized every believer here in the Fox Valley or in Wisconsin or wherever you live? What if this characterized us? Listen to what Paul writes. He says this, he says, therefore, if any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. In other words, Paul says, if there's any good that has come to you because you've placed your life and faith in Jesus Christ, he says this, he says, you know what? Do me a favor. Show that kind of love and treat each other with the same kind of love that you experience. Why? Because in that little Roman province in, 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 in Philippi or here in this little valley in Appleton, People are going to see how you treat each other. And by the way in which you treat each other, they're either going to be attracted or repelled to the God that you say you love and serve. And so Paul says, I want you to be one in mind, one in heart, tender and compassionate, being unified, having the same love, one in spirit too. Do you hear the fellowship? Do you hear the unity? Do you know what this is called? This is not a religious burden. This is not a religious obligation. Church is not a bunch of walls. Church is a bunch of people who come under the cross of Christ and say, we are in this together for the glory of God. So, I imagine some of his listeners are like, okay, Paul, that's kind of a little flowery for me. That's a little esoteric, some of that language. Can you like, uh, can you bring it down to my level? Paul's like, sure. He tells us exactly what we should do. Verse three. Do, say that word right there. Say it again. How much? Do nothing. You talk about a tough scripture to obey. Whew. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Wouldn't you like to work for a boss like that? If you're hiring people, wouldn't you like to hire people like that? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, flip side, in humility, value others above yourself. What? Why, Paul? Why would I value somebody? That goes so against the world's way of thinking about life. It sure does. But why would I do that, Paul? You know what Paul would say to you? He would say this to you. You know why you should do that? Because that's at the center. That's at the tip of the spear of the gospel. That God chose to value you over himself. And you say, Adam, what are you talking about? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, you, that he gave not because you're more valuable than God, but he chose to value you and treat you like you were more important to him than his own son. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross. And he says to you and me, if we're followers of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, and if you met somebody that gave you the wrong version of what it means to follow you, Jesus, to follow Jesus, then let me set it straight for you. We are called to value others above ourselves. We are called to be humble servants. Our core identity as followers of Jesus Christ is to be a servant. If all you're ever looking for in a relationship with God is how it can benefit you, you've missed the Jesus of the Bible. Some of you are like, dag, 
I thought we were coming to like the church service like the one week before Christmas Eve. Like, I thought you were going to kind of take a break and do something a little easy and soft, you know, like had the kids play, you wore a tie last week, Adam. Like, why are you coming strong like this? You know why I'm coming strong like this? Because our world depends on a Jesus that is true to his word. That's why. Like, I don't know if you know this, but we're post-Christian. We're post-church in the world in which we live, in America. It's not like the 1950s when everybody woke up and you just kind of went to church because that's what you did. People don't do that anymore. And in some ways, I think that's a good thing because you can just fall into some habits and routines and not really think through what it means to truly follow Jesus. And I think it raised a generation of people who did it out of religious obligation, which in turn then became a legalistic form or brand of Christianity that was a burden. And now God is calling a generation of us who would say, you know what? I truly wanna follow Jesus because he wants me to love like he loved me. The point of the gospel is that in humility, we value and love those We treat them with greater respect and greater love. Uh, He goes on and he says this in verse four. Paul, he says, uh, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wonder what that would look like in our lives today. Not my interests, but your interests. And then he says this in verse five. In your relationships, What relationships, Paul? All of your relationships. And he says this, ready? Here's what he says. In your relationships, all of your relationships have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Why? You know why? Because Jesus's mindset is good. (laughs) It's good. Because when you have the mindset of Christ in your relationships, you will defer to them. You will do what's best for them. You will put them first. You will place yourself under their burden rather than trying to manipulate or coerce or use guilt or fear to help somebody get under your burden. You'll be the first to serve. You'll take the first step. You'll say, I... I want to show them love. I want to show them what it means to be truly loved. Now listen to verse six. This is where Paul then turns the text and he says, the greatest example of this is Jesus Christ. In verse six, he says, who, meaning Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality. He didn't grasp for it. He didn't go with it. He didn't say, Father, I don't want to go because I'm equal to you. Rather, he didn't choose something to be used to his own advantage. All his divine privileges. What did he do? He forfeited those in order to leverage his power and his authority and his influence for those who don't have power and authority and influence. He became one of us. That's the Christmas message. 
That God in Christ came to inhabit and dwell on earth so that he could say to every single person who was doomed for an eternity apart from God to say, I want to leverage my power and authority and influence for you. And the way that I'm gonna do that is on the cross. The way that I'm gonna do that, you might not understand it, you might not agree with it, but this is my life, this is, I'm laying it down. People don't take it from me, I lay it down. I give it to you. Theologians call this, uh, this passage kenosis. It's a self-emptying. He empties himself out. So much so that it says in verse seven, rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Do you realize the the profound words that Paul is diving into? I think the Greek word is morphe. He says he doesn't even take on the, he he takes on the nature of of a what? Of a what? Not a rock star. He didn't sign the contract, friends. He didn't get the bonus, friends. He got the sandals and he got the whippings, and he got the beatings, and he got all your sin. Like he's not looking for some long-term deal. He's not saying, he didn't come to earth and play the God card. He didn't come and say, hey, give me the halo, the entourage, we're rolling into Rome. He didn't do that. He said, here's my life. Take it. I give it. That's what Paul said. Verse eight, he wraps it up this way. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. While Christmas starts in a cradle, make no mistake, friends, your savior and my savior chose the cross. In the moment when our Savior was most glorified, that would have been the very moment when we'd have been most horrified. The cross is where your sin meets God's grace. The cross is where he takes all of your sickness and all of your pain, all of your mental anguish, all of the bruises and hurts and bumps and everything that was ever said about you, how your identity was marked from the very beginning of time. God recaptures that in the cross and he says, you're my son, you're my daughter. The struggles that you face and the burdens that you bear, bring them to me because in you, I'm going to work out my masterpiece. In you, I'm gonna continually take you to a place, a loving father who will grab you by his hand and say, I just want relationship with you. As we wrap up today, I just wanna ask you a few questions. I wanna ask you a few questions about how we love like Jesus because in one of the most profound moves, I believe in the New Testament, Paul reaches back to Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. Back to that verse that I said to you earlier, in the same way, let your light shine so that people would see your good deeds and glorify your heart. Paul reaches back and he grabs the light theme and he says it this way. You can read it for yourself later on in Philippians 2. He says, when you do this, and he doesn't just talk about individuals, He talks about churches just like pathways. 
When you do this, you will shine like the stars in the sky. I, I want you to do something for me. I, I want you to look around. Just look around this room. Look, look at somebody. Don't be creepy, but just... What Paul is saying to Pathways Church, to you and me, to our community online, hundreds of you that are online, the hundreds of you who are in the sanctuary at the 830, what, what, what Paul is saying to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that when we, when we love like Jesus, the sky gets lit up. There's a constellation for the glory of God through our lives. Imagine Imagine what that would be like. Any people have telescopes? Any, any, any astronomer? Anybody likes the stars and astrology? Anybody? Okay, great. I know nothing about it. I know the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, and Orion. Anybody with me? You know those three? Good, okay. Orion, by the way, is Irish. We, we established that last service because it's not Ryan, it's Orion. Okay. They laughed last service. <laughs> but as I was kind of putting this ending piece together this morning and praying over my message and sitting downstairs, I thought to myself, I asked myself this question, Adam, if believers lit up the sky, they shine like stars in the sky, what would the constellation be? And immediately, Felt like the Holy Spirit just went like this. The cross. And then I had a follow-up thought. We use it as emojis. We take pictures with it. But at the center of the cross would be the Father's love for you, for me. If you bow your heads with me. In this closing time of prayer, I wanna ask you a question. Are there some people that you need to notice this week, some people that you know, that you need to take note of, that you need to see? And the craziness and the busyness, you just need to remind yourself, boy, the gospel is good for them. Maybe right now the Holy Spirit is showing you some of those people in your mind, you can think of a couple right now. Just whisper a prayer for them. Commit this week to saying, man, I, I need to see people like God sees people. I need to love people like Jesus loved people. I'm, I'm free to love. Are you free to love? For some of you today, maybe you're watching online and you don't feel free to love. You feel burdened by your guilt and your shame because you know there's not a connection between you and God. And I'm so glad that you're here today in this room. I'm so glad that you're watching online because I want you to know that God made a way for you through the cross. And he loves you so much and he died for your sin. And he rose to new life so that you can be brought back to new life. If you're here today and you wanna to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you're watching online, why don't you 
reach out to the chat moderator, put it in the chat. If you're on YouTube, why don't you go ahead and email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Tell somebody, tell somebody who's been praying for you, somebody who invited you to Pathways, somebody shared the link. I don't know how you heard, but you heard. Maybe your mama has been praying for you 20 years and you're returning today, today's your day. Tell somebody. If you're in the room today and you wanna make a decision for Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand in this moment? I wanna acknowledge you. Then you can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you all the way to the back, I see you. Anybody else? Okay. And let's pray this prayer together in full voice as one church, one family, one spirit, one heart, one mind. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for showing me extreme value by sending Jesus who humbly accepted his mission to die for me and my sin. Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. I confess it. I was wrong. But the good news is you're right. And you want to bring joy to my heart. You want to transform my life. So I lay my life down in exchange for your life your salvation, your freedom, your hope, and your love. Now place your Holy Spirit inside of me that I can follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed with this prayer said, amen, amen. amen. Can we celebrate some individuals today who gave their lives to Jesus Christ? Come on, let's celebrate that together.